All right, and good morning to you. Thank you for coming out on this first day. Hey, did you know at 12.01 last night, a new day was born, and the Bible says, this is the day that the Lord hath made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. So at 12.01, a new day was born, and so we have a new day that happens to be the first day of a new week, which happens to be the first day of a new month, which just happens to be the first day of a new year. Now, aren't you glad you came to church just to know that? Just to know that. And I'm excited to be here with you. And thank good crowd this morning. Thank you so much um, for coming out and being with us. We start a brand new series today. Um, and it's called um, PS 23 for 23. PS 23 for 23. Now, you probably would understand that PS stands for, oh, by the way, okay, that's what it means. But in our case, also, a little play on words, the PS stands for Psalms. And so we want to look at Psalm 23 and use it as a great kickoff about five weeks, I think, um, for the year 23. We want to look at, and I really hope this will be a blessing to all of us as we look at the Word of God, principles to live by, guidelines to live by in this new day, week, month, and year, okay? But also promises to stand on. I know. See, normally the 23rd Psalm, well, that's where a preacher stands up and, you know, you know the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's how we do it at, you know, the graveside, the funeral, you know. But this is like so packed with, with principles and promises. I hope it will just supercharge our hearts as we wander and, and guide ourselves through uh, this thing called the 23rd Psalms. So our sermon today then is called The Real Deal. The Real Deal. Okay? And we're going to kick it off by looking at five words. Five words from the 23rd Psalm, verse number one, the first part. And then we're going to what would be called the, gosh, it's the, it's the mega center of shepherd talk uh, with Jesus in the New Testament. So we'll kick off with Psalm 23, 1, and then we're going to go to John 10, verses 9 and 10. I looked up Webster's Dictionary just to get the official depth definition of the real deal. And here it is, something or someone um, that is real or genuine is not a copy or imitation, okay? So our first teaching point is really important. You know, I know this sounds, when I, when I write things like this, the first two of them, you kind of go, well, that's just common sense, Dwayne. You know, it's just common sense. But I want you to really grasp it because in the world that we live in today, that first statement is so true. In a world of spiritual fakes and facades, there has never been more spiritual untruth. I mean, there is one guide. I was talking to my daughter, Sarah. There is one guide, and it is the Word of God. And I told her, I said, you know, if God's Word says to do it, we ought to do it. And if it says not to do it, we ought not to do it. And all this stuff about church traditions, and this preacher said, and that preacher said, and this denomination said, and that, that doesn't matter. What matters is, okay, the Word of God. So in a world of spiritual fakes and facades, there is one, somebody say one. Yeah, there's only one. There, there is one and only one who is the real deal. Changeless and timeless. And then according to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8, the same yesterday 
today and forever. He's the true shepherd, and that can be none other than Jesus Christ. So my encouragement today is for you, uh, first, if you've, never, if you've never done the Jesus thing, is for you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And then if you have done the Jesus thing, to really allow him to be your shepherd um, today. My second point is, my teaching point is this. Here's a word to the wise. You know, what better time at the new year to have a word for the wise? You know, never settle for second place when you can have first. Now, there's a lot of pushing in the world today for what's first in your life. And if I were to ask you, now don't give the, don't give the standard, well, since you asked, answer, what really is first place in your life? You know, is it something that the gaining of wealth, uh, popularity, uh, prosperity? Um, what is it that's number one in your life? And I'm telling you, don't settle for putting Jesus second place, okay, and putting something else. There's something that's got to be number one in your life. And I'm telling you, if, you, if you're not a Jesus follower, that probably doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you are a Jesus follower, that should make all the sense in the world. Jesus has to be number one in our lives. And then comes the list. Then comes the list. I've often said, you know, God doesn't want to be number five on your, on your God list. Okay? In fact, he doesn't even want you to have a God list. He wants just to have him. No, no, no list involved. All right? Secondly, uh, never settle for a substitute when you can have what is real. You know, it tickles me. About, what, a year and a half, two years ago, you know, Burger King came out with the Impossible Wasp Whopper. Yes, made from plants. Are they nuts? I mean, when you think Whopper, you know, I don't care how it tastes, by the way. Never had one, okay? Don't tend to have one. But, you know, the, the Whopper was like, you know, like this greasy, thick hunk of meat with lettuce and tomatoes and onions and mayonnaise and all that stuff on a sesame seed bun. It was just awesome. It was incredible. And then they came out with this fake Whopper? What? Why would you eat a fake Whopper when you could have the real Whopper? And by the way, you say, well, I'm trying to be healthy. It has just as much fat. You aren't saving nothing but a cow's life. That's all you're saving, all right? But then, then there's this bacon issue. You know, everybody in the world knows, well, in the known world, the Western world, that bacon makes everything better. better. <laughs> Amen, yeah, yeah. That's worth the price of mission this morning right now. Bacon makes everything better better okay well a while back and i was guilty as anybody they came out with i hate to even say it turkey bacon now let me ask you in that in that crazy now you think about it i mean i don't care i don't care how they press it and how they color it i don't care how much they make it look like bacon there ain't no bacon on a turkey so you're not whatever it is you're eating is not bacon but, you know, we convinced ourselves, well, it's healthier and la-di-da. Did you know, if I remember correctly, Cracker Barrel kept or stopped carrying turkey bacon. I think they felt guilty. I think, I think they decided just had to go. But that's, listen, I was watching TV the other day, and guess what? Yeah, you probably already guessed it. They have a new bacon now, and guess what it's based on? Not pig. Plants. Plants. That's just all messed up. So be careful in your spiritual walk. With the same thing. Don't settle for a substitute. Don't, don't stick church in where Jesus belongs. Don't stick religion in where Jesus belongs. 
Don't, don't put trying to do better where Jesus belongs. Don't put, put religious tradition where Jesus belongs. Don't settle for a substitute when you can have the real deal. And, and, and never, goes right along with that, and never trade the good shepherd for religious experience. I know people get, some people may get upset when I talk about religion. But, you know, I always said, and I said this on the Baptist Hour this morning, um, that religion is man's attempt to reach God. I know it kind of goes with Jesus, but don't substitute Jesus for religion. Religion is man's intent to reach God, okay? And Jesus is God's way to reach down in the hearts of men, okay? So don't, don't, don't trade the good shepherd um, for a religious experience. Now, that leads us then, with that groundwork, that leads us into the 23rd Psalm. Now, 23rd Psalm, you probably know this, was written by David. <clears throat> They're not sure. Two options here. Um, number one, it was written when he was like 16, 17. You know, he was out contemplating the world and he's watching his sheep, you know. And he's going, you know, I'm a shepherd and I know what shepherds do. You know what I think? I think God is my shepherd, okay? So that could be true. But there's also an opinion that says it may have been looking back on his life, by the way, including his Bathsheba's, including his Uriah's. And including the victories that he had, okay? See, we all got that mess, don't we? We've all got those warts, okay? So that he's looking back on his life and saying, you know, in spite of all of that, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, I like this. Um, in your Bible, the L should be capitalized, all right? And perhaps in your Bible, all four letters are capitalized, L-O-R-D. And that is the way from the Hebrew that they would write that to symbolize. Of course, that's English translation, but that would symbolize that they're talking about Jehovah. They're talking about creator God. So when David says this, he's saying God, he's saying creator God, the one who made it all, the all-powerful God, okay, is my shepherd is my shepherd. You know, and again, David would have known all about shepherding. And we, we could talk a long time about this, but two words come to my mind, mainly because they both start with P, and we know how preachers like to have things start with the same letter. Okay, so, so number one, but it is really good. Number one is provision. It was the job of the shepherd to provide for the sheep, to lead them places where they could eat and where they could drink. The second one is, and you probably guessed it, is protection. You know, there was a lot of lamb chops on those sheep, and wolves loved them, and bears loved them, and lions loved them. And so they needed protection, okay? So, so when, when, when David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd, he's comparing that. He's thinking about his life as a shepherd, all the different things he did as a shepherd. And he says, you know what? You know, that is a parallel of what God has done for me. He protects me, and he provides for me. Now, here's something. Have you ever thought about this? The, the shepherd was totally responsible. Somebody say responsible. All right, I want, I'm going to teach you something I want you to grab hold of today. The shepherd was totally responsible for the sheep. Every need, every, everything for the, for the sheep was in the hands of the shepherd. I want you to know something today. David is, David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. He said, God, as my shepherd, listen, takes full responsibility for me. You, if you're a child of God, you are God's responsibility. And God takes it seriously. 
You know, so often in the Word of God, it says, you know, God knows what you need before you ask, and God does this, and God does that, and every good and perfect gift comes down. All of that is because you are God's responsibility. That's why you don't have to worry and fret about 2023. You don't have to worry about what's it going to look like because your God is the creator God. He's the sovereign God. He already knows what's going to happen. And as I write every day in my blog, he's got this. He's got this. That was a good place for an amen, by the way. Amen. So as you look at 23, man, understand, just like David said, you know, I'm responsible for the sheep. So God is responsible for his sheep. And you may not handle it well, but God does. If things get hard, God can do hard. When things are sunny, God handles sunshine. You can trust the Lord God. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, now Tozer teaches us a great truth about sheep and shepherds. Here's what it says. The only safe place, the only safe place for sheep is by the side of the shepherd. The only safe place for God's sheep is by the side of the shepherd. And may I say this as we start in 2023? The closer you are to the shepherd, the safer you're going to be. The closer you are to the shepherd, the safer you're going to be. And here's the truth. Here's the big truth. The devil does not fear the sheep. You, we can be like a blowfish. You know, a blowfish will blow himself up in the ocean looking bigger to scare the other fish away. All right? We can huff and puff all we want to, but you need to understand God does not, or excuse me, devil does not fear the sheep. He just fears the shepherd. And that's enough. That's enough. You know, Tozer's totally right. You know, we, we, we don't have it within us to call Satan to fear. Unless that in us is Jesus Christ. Is Jesus, is Jesus Christ. So now let's jump into, let's go into this mega point. I said in John chapter 10, where, where Jesus talks about, you know, being a shepherd. Okay, let's bring it now. Let's go back from three or four, 3,000 years ago, 3,500 years ago. Then let's bring it up to 2,000 years ago. And Jesus is teaching about shepherding and teaching that he is the good shepherd. So he starts out in verse number uh, 9 and says this, I am the gate. Now wait, you're, I know what you're doing. You're going, Dwayne, what does gates have to do with shepherds? And the answer is everything in the world. And this picture explains it. And by the way, I know the print's a little small, but I wanted to get the verse with the picture. So that's why it's like that. Now this is an actual picture of a sheep pen. Okay, and what would happen is the shepherd would herd the sheep into this enclosure. Now, if you're real astute, you're going to notice that this sheep pen has how many entrances? Yeah, that would be one. And you'll also notice it's quite narrow. It's quite narrow. So when Jesus says, I am the gate, that doesn't have a gate, does it? Yes, it does. It's the shepherd. The shepherd would lay at night, would get his club his rod and his staff, and would lay across that entrance right there. So any, shoot, this is good. Anything that tried to get the sheep had to go through the shepherd. Shoot that thing, son. Anything that was going to get and harm the sheep had to go through the shepherd. 
And guess what? When Jesus says, I am the gate, that's his pen. And guess what's in his pen? His sheep. And he lays himself across that gate when he says, I am the gate. Okay? And nothing can get the sheep unless it goes through Jesus. Now, you need to write that down. Because some of you are all fired, worried about 2023, and you've got to understand nothing, 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 nothing is going to come into your life, okay, unless it goes through the shepherd. And if it goes through the shepherd, yes, it may even be painful. But I promise you this, that God can bring good from every painful situation. He doesn't make every situation good. He makes good from every painful situation. So Jesus says, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That's relationship. The way to heaven is very narrow. We're going to talk about it in just a moment, okay? But it's very narrow, and it is through the shepherd. It is through the shepherd. And if you come through the shepherd and you're allowed to enter the pen, you're in the pen, then guess what? Then you are part of the family. You're of the Jesus fold, if you will. You become a child of God and you will be saved. That's relationship. But it gets even better because look what it says. And we'll come in and out, go out and find pasture. That's fellowship. That's fellowship. Listen, Jesus is not bondage. Jesus is freedom. This is not a book of bondage. It's a book of freedom. Well, how is that? Well, because this book will teach us how to avoid regrets and have smaller consequences. The rules that are in the Bible are not there so God can go, "Mm, see, I told you, it's there to give you a better life. The best life is inside the will of God, okay? So in this fellowship, there's freedom to go in and out. And when you go in and out, sometimes Jesus will block the pathway because there's something that will harm you. And other times he'll open the pathway because you're going in and out to find what? To find pasture. To find food. Okay? So when Jesus says, I am the gate, it has everything to do. Everything to do. Now, when you're gate shopping for your life, if you decide, you know what? I think I need a gate in my life. Okay? Well, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, you know, and 14, Jesus gives us some really good knowledge. Now, this is from the Sermon on the Mount, okay? And here's what he says, you know, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, okay? So, Eli, throw that slide up that shows that. Yeah, see, there, the only way into the sheepfold is through this narrow gate. And that narrow gate is who? It's Jesus Christ, all right? Then that verse continues and, and says this, um, the highway to hell, the highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide um, for the many who will choose it. Now, I want you to notice how I drew this, okay? If the gate is narrow, you go into the fold, but for those who choose the wide and broad way, you go around the fold entirely. That's the, the default way. We are born sinners. We're born separated from God. And so the natural way, unless God does an act in our life through his grace, and we do an act in our life by believing in Jesus Christ, that's the default. That's the default, going around the fold. And what does the word say very clearly there? It's the highway to hell. Now, someone's sitting here today, and they're going, that just isn't fair. 
I mean, why is Jesus the only way? Well, because, you know, God said Jesus is the only way. You know, you know, it's really funny. Christianity is the only religion that does done. Every other religion in the world is do, 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 do. Do this, do that, do this. And, and then there's really no promise. If you do, 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 do enough, you'll either come back in a higher form or, or you'll get there and all I go, well, sorry, you just still didn't, didn't have enough. Christianity, Christ, is the only religion, if you will, I'm going to put that in quotes, religion, the only uh, religious path where it's already done. Amen. He died on the cross, a cross, that we might have forgiveness of sins. So, so I like what it says in verse number. Go back to verse number 13 one more time, Eli. You know, it's, it's where it says, look here. But the gateway, sorry, the highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. If a person ends up separated from God in eternity um, in a place called hell, that is not God's doing that choice. It's the person's choice by choosing not to go in the narrow path, by choosing the broad path. And then Jesus says this, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Look at that. The gateway to life is very narrow. Again, it's broad but narrow. What do you mean, Dwayne? It's narrow because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Well, how's it broad, Dwayne? Anybody can accept it. Green, white, yellow, red, German, American, Islamic, it does not matter. The gate is wide open. God hung out the welcome sign outside the holies and holies and said, Whosoever will believe, whosoever will accept by faith my son Jesus Christ is welcome to come in. It's narrow, but it's broad. The invitation is to whosoever will. You can't beat that. But the gateway is to life is very narrow. And the road is difficult. Oh, my. What do we do with that? Because there's a lot of preachers in America selling that if you get saved, you're rich and, and wealthy and everything goes perfectly right. Your kids don't need dentures or dentures, braces. They, they probably won't need dentures until a little bit later, but they might need uh, braces. All right. So, but guess what? The road is difficult. You know what Jesus said? He said, hey, you just need to know something. He said, in this life, in this world, you're going to have trouble. He, prom- he told you the truth straight up. A preacher lied to you and said, just trust Jesus and everything's hunky-dory. Okay? But Jesus said the truth. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. But you know what he said then? Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Amen. I have overcome the world. And then a few will ever find it. Who finds it, Dwayne? Whosoever will. If you make the choice to trust Jesus today, you're into pen. You're into God's family. It's your choice. It's your call. Whosoever will may come. It's a very, very powerful and good voice. And then a verse we're all familiar with, John 10, 10. You know, Jesus said, you know, the thief, you know, think about that sheep pen. The thief wants to climb over the wall. Can't do it. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now watch. Listen, think 2023 with me. Okay? Jesus said, here's that promise. I have come so that they may have life and have it how? Have it in abundance. Now that doesn't mean, again, health and wealth. It means an abundance of joy and peace, okay, in your life. There's purpose when you get up out of bed in the morning. And you have the confident assurance that the God that knows you 
you know, and you know him, okay, promises protection and provision. How powerful is that? I, I, I jumped on this verse. I have come so they may have life and have it more abundance. And there's a verse over in Luke. At first, I thought I was going to tell you I'm taking it out of context. But I'm only taking it out of context if it is just a little bit. And in Luke 6.38, um, Jesus is talking, you know. And here's what he said. Give and it will be given to you. So the topic then is giving. Luke 6.38. You know, the topic is giving. And here's the deal. You know, if we, if we give our life to Jesus then Jesus will give life to us. Give, and it shall be given to you. Give, and it shall be given. You give your life to Jesus, and Jesus then will turn and give life to you. Well, what is that life like? It's abundant. Now, listen to what Jesus said in the context of giving and describes that. And and think abundant life. He says, give, and it will be given to you good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together and running over will be put into your lap. This giving that Jesus talks about, when we give, you know, we, what we get in return is shaken down and, and puffed down. It's like, it's like a, a, a jar full of, of, um, of peanut M&Ms, okay, and something else. I don't know, regular M&Ms. And the more you shake it and rattle it down, those little M&Ms work to the bottom of the bowl, down to the bottom of the jar, and you put some more in, some more in, some more in. That's how it is. When we give our lives to God, he abundantly gives back to us. Um, Well, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your lap. He wants to give you the abundant life. Now, that that involves surrender. You need to know that. When we try to do things our way, it won't feel very pressed down and running over. But if in 2023 we will let the shepherd... mm, If we'll let the shepherd be the shepherd and we'll be content being sheep, he can give us the abundant life. And you don't have to fear. The closer you are to the shepherd, the closer you are to the shepherd, the less you have to fear. So he continues on our teaching point, says this, Jesus is not only the gate, the way in. He is truth and life. And, And enter in by him and he becomes your savior and your shepherd your sufficiency. Now, now, what Jesus says next, you know, I could end right there. We'd be eight minutes early. But I want you to grab a hold of this. Okay? He says in verse number 11, he said, I am. Now, I didn't get this on the gate. Do you see something there? I am. Yeah, yeah, Ezra, that's right. You, you go back to Exodus chapter 3, I think it's verse 14, you know, when Moses is being called by God. And so Moses is going, so... If I go back to these people in Egypt, okay, and um, I tell them, and they say, well, who in the world sent you? Um, What do I say? And God said, here's what you tell them. I am that I am have sent you. And so ever since then, when you see those words, I am, when Jesus says, I am the gate, when he says, I am the shepherd, I am the door, I am the living water, I am the bread... What he's saying is God is. As God, I am. So he's saying, as God, I am the good shepherd. He's not just a guy who lived 2,000 years ago. He's God. He says, as God, I am the good shepherd. And look at this. Keep in mind, as God, the good shepherd, the good shepherd 
lays down his life for the sheep. Hey, if you've got Jesus neither not on your list or you've got Jesus like third or fourth, are those things that are number one and two, have they ever died for you? Would they die for you? Would your job die for you? Would prosperity die for you? Will it give you eternal life? Will it be there when the doctor says cancer? Will it be there when your marriage falls apart? Will it be there when your child or your parents go astray? Will it be there? This shepherd gives his life for the sheep. On a Roman cross, behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Slaughtered for people like me and you. Came to earth, born on Christmas, died on Good Friday, resurrected on Easter. All for us. Because he loved us. Our teaching point says this. I started out and wrote a note. You know, can, can the good shepherd, can God be trusted? Come on, let's just lay it out there. Can God be trusted? Is God worth trusting in this modern day? Is God worth trusting Is a good shepherd worth trusting? Well, listen, sometimes trust doesn't come easy. But when someone is willing to die for you, in place of you, that's a different story. May I challenge you in 2023 to do something? Got questions? Bring them to the cross. God, do you love me? Look at the cross. God, are you there for me? Look at the cross. God, can I trust you with my tomorrows? Look at the cross. A God who would send his son and his God's son and nail him to a Roman cross so that people like me and you could come in relationship. You can trust that God. And those shady gods out there, those fakes and facades, religious things, you can't trust them. But you can trust this God. You want to get a little bit better? Look at verse number 14 and 15. Look at this. I am... The good shepherd. As God, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. Can you would, you, would you, would you be willing today to take a leap? Would you be willing to leap out there in the world in the realm of faith? And understand that creator God, creator God knows you. And then invites you to know him. How how intimately. Can you believe what that says? Just as the father knows me. And I know the father. He's saying. He's saying look. Look. My sheep know me. And I know them. And how deep. How intimate. How intimate is this relationship? I mean, is he just a deity out there in space somewhere? Did he, did he, uh, you know, assuming he set the thing in motion, did he walk away from us? Nope. Jesus says, my sheep, I listen, I know my own. I know my sheep. And guess what? My sheep know me. I wrote this down. I'll have to read it because I can't remember exactly what I said. You know, it's not who you know as much as who knows you and whose you are. It's not who you know as much as it's who knows you and whose you are. Billy Graham said this. Most of us know about God. 
but that is quite different from knowing God. You know, the Bible says in James that the devils believe and tremble. The demons believe and tremble. Okay? Most of us know about God, but that's quite different from knowing God. The intimacy factor. The intimacy factor. And when you truly know God, guess what? You have the energy, you have desire, you have drive to serve Him. Boldness to share Him. And most importantly, I think, contentment in Him. You can face 2023 with contentment, knowing that no matter what happens, God's enough. God is enough. So that leads us to verse number 16. I like this. You understand the Jews thought they were it. And so Jesus comes along in John chapter 10, you know, and there are all these Jewish boys sitting there, and yeah, we're God's chosen people, you know, we're it, all that, you know. And then Jesus says, but I have other sheep that are not from this pen. You know those other sheep were? Gentiles, us. Bobby rocked Peter's mind. Wait, I thought we were the only ones. Jesus says, no. Glad to have you in the, in the fold there, Peter, and all you Jews. But no, I've got other sheep that are not from this pen. I must bring them also. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek and to save you. He came to seek to save me. He came to seek and to save us, us. And they're going to listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. This whole religious gig is something we dreamed up. It was never God's idea. One shepherd, one fold. That's God's idea. Then verse number, I kind of put these out of order on purpose. This last, it's just big. It's just big. You know, you know John 10, 15, B and 17. I lay down, we already talked about this. I lay down my life for my sheep. And this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so I may take it up again. You know, the Father envisioned from before the foundation of the world was laid, this great plan of redemption. It involved his son laying down his life for three days and coming back to life. Now, this next verse is a bell ringer. It's awesome. It's wonderful. Look what it says in verse number 18. Savor it now. Savor it. Talking about his life. No one takes it, my life, from me, but I lay it down on my own. Do you know what that means? Remember I've said to you before, I said to you before, and I said to you, you know, who killed Jesus on Good Friday? No one. Because God, Jesus, no one takes it from me. Rome, Rome didn't have the power to take it from him. The, the leaders of the church, the temple, had no power to take it from him. No one takes it from him. Why this is so good, if, if he's got that kind of power and he's your shepherd, you got that kind of power. And he's going to say in a minute, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the, I love this. I have the right. I think King James says, I have the power. I like that better. I have the right. I have the power to lay it down. And I have the right. Whew, I have the power to take it up again. I can lay my life down and I can pick it up again. I have received this command from my, and I, yeah, come on. That's just good. Come on. There you clap. Come on. Come on. That is incredible. Now listen, listen, listen. That's your shepherd. Yes, he's meek and mild Jesus, but that's your shepherd, the one that has the power to lay his life down and pick it up again. 
Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? He defeated death forever. And that leads us then to the big truth of 2023. And that's this. Look at that last slide there, Eli, please. The the resurrection power of Jesus broke Satan's captive power. That's the principle. The principle that you need to live by this year, okay, is that the resurrection power defeated Satan. Satan is defeated. Death is defeated. That's your principle to live by in 2023. You serve a shepherd that has broke Satan's captive power. But now here is the, the, um, the principle and the, and the promise. That same power, that same kind of power that brought Christ back from the dead is alive in those who are Christ. The promise is God's power, resurrection power, lives in each one of us. Amen. Now, now this, is what, this is what calls Paul to write Philippians 3.10. Let me read it to you and you'll understand it. My goal, he said. Now, let, let, me, let me take a moment. Yeah, I'll be a little bit over. Um, yeah, Ezra, but we got to start the year right, right, you know? Um, but here it is. Listen, Paul is in prison. When he writes Philippians, he's in prison. He is facing death. He doesn't know how soon, but he knows it's soon. He knows in a matter of months, his head will be removed from his body. And he will die. That's the setup. He's not at a Hilton watching the Super Bowl. Okay? That's the setup. Here's what he said. In Philippians 3.10, My goal is to know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection. Facing certain death. Facing prison. My goal is to know him and the power. Of his resurrection. Should we make that our goal in 2023? Not church. See, that's the problem. People say church doesn't do anything for me. Religion, and I would have to agree, it it can do some. I mean, if you throw Jesus in the mix, church can do a lot. In fact, if you throw Jesus right in the middle of religion, it can do a lot. That's just the truth. Can Can we say that our goal then is yes, we should attend church, and, and yes. But should our, our goal be to know him and the power, the power of his resurrection? That is a principle and a promise we should build on. Would you bow your heads, please? Thank you so much for listening so well today. And I'm so excited about what lies ahead for us in the word of God in the next five weeks. If you're here today, we always have a time of decision um, at the end of our service. And Brother Brent will be standing down front. And if you're here today, and you heard a whole lot about Jesus and about the cross, about salvation, about becoming part of God's family, you heard a lot today. And Brother Brent would love to share with you how you can own that personally, how you can say, the Lord Jehovah God is my shepherd, my shepherd. He'd be glad to share with that today, today. A lot of us today are Jesus followers. We're already in the fold, okay? Perhaps we want to recommit our lives right there where you sit or where you stand, okay? 
Just commit your life and say, God, I give myself fresh and anew to you. I acknowledge that you are the shepherd and I am a sheep. You are a shepherd, I'm a sheep. I re-surrender my life to you. Help me to follow you in 2023. So God, boy, I sure thank you for the privilege of sharing this truth today. Father, we know, we know sometimes it's a challenge to follow. And I guess it's a challenge to sometimes believe what seems so hard to believe. But you said that all things were possible uh, with you. And we are choosing to believe that today. So as we give you this, this time of decision, we simply ask for you to do as you see fit. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.